With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent. I stands for using your intuition. N stands for networking. And K stands for obtaining knowledge. Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we delivered. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. Today is February 26th, 2014, and do we have a great show today. We're really going to have a lot of fun because it's all about our feet. My special guest today is Dr. Robert Weil. He's a sports podiatrist, and he also hosted the Sports Doctor radio show, which was in the Chicago area for the past two decades. But he recently moved his show to HealthyLife.net, and his show is on Wednesdays from 3 to 4, so he's an hour ahead of my show. He basically specializes in the use of prescription orthotics and their role in the foot, ankle, knee, and and back problems. So now I would like to bring Dr. Weil onto our show today. Hi, Dr. Weil. Hey, Denise. Uh, Pleasure to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. It's wonderful to have you here today. We're going to talk today about our feet and the importance of choosing the proper sports shoes and the role it serves in how an athlete walks and runs. So let's get started. uh, That sounds like a dynamite subject. I think first you might want to sing the song that the foot bones connected to the ankle bone, connected to the leg bone and knee bone. Everybody's heard that song. Have you? (laughs) Sure you have. (laughs) I think I grew grew up with it. (laughs) Absolutely. my, My point being the feet affect everything else. So sometimes we'll see that the role of the foot when it comes to uh, absorbing shock, when it comes to allowing us to move from one step to another is, is a big deal. And we spend a lot of time on my show, on the sports doctor, talking about that when we're dealing with lower extremity problems. And the importance of good shoes has always made big sense. Although one of my most popular topics was a recent article I wrote, which was called um, Surviving High Heels for Women. Uh, and you can check that out <laughs> if you go to, go to sportsdoctorradio.com. You can read that article. But a good shoe makes a lot of sense when everybody's looking to be active. Um, so we want to make sure that we're fit properly, to say the least, We want to make sure if we're talking about a walking shoe or a sports shoe, then we want to be able to pay attention to uh, the fact that there is no best shoe for everybody, Denise. Um, I had a colleague years ago wrote a book about choosing the best shoe, and the front cover was a collage of about 20 different brands. And his point was it depends on your foot type. Do you have high arches? Are you flat-footed? Are you very flexible? Do you have very rigid feet? And what are you using uh, the shoes for? So being fit properly, trying to find the best shoe for your particular foot type uh, makes a lot of sense, uh, whoever is, is being fit. When we go to buy a pair of shoes in a shoe store these days, 
they just have regular type salespeople that really haven't been trained. So how does one go about getting a good fitting shoe unless they come to the foot doctor? Well, they want to be able to, uh, for example, one of my sponsors on the Sports Doctor Radio show is New Balance. New Balance is a store I've used for decades, uh, and other sports stores that I know personally where we know that there are experts in fitting, uh, people who are trained in most good um, uh, walking or running shoe stores, and there's a lot of them, absolutely have people who know what they're doing. They're not just salespeople. They're people who know foot structure. They know a lot about that they're, they're trained. So we can be pretty confident uh, that if we're going to go in uh, looking for a name brand, and I tell people, you know, whether it's Nike or New Balance or Adidas or Reebok or Saucony, there's a lot of good brands, uh, and you want to be able to check beforehand that you're going into a place that has people who might be in New Balance. They have certified fitters, other people who are trained to be able to make a good recommendation for what might be best for you or your kids. That's really good to know. I had I had no clue. <laughs> and I, I buy shoes all the time. Well, you know, as a woman, and again, getting back to that article, and you could catch that article, if you go to sportsdoctorradio.com newspaper articles, you can see that article on high heels. I, I talk about training for high heels for women. Um, but high heels uh, can be very detrimental to our body, our back, our knees, our feet. And sometimes we'll see that just educating that gal, again, podiatry, who might be looking at whether that uh, woman has corns or calluses, whether she's got bunion problems. Uh, even good feet, though, once we start getting into heels, puts a lot of stress on the body. So many times we'll see that learning about not being too aggressive uh, and living in heels uh, can save our feet. I have a famous quote that I talk about in the famous show Sex in the City with Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, probably a year ago, six months ago, Denise, she said, uh, and if you remember that show, it was such a stylish show with all these incredible shoes. And she says, boy, if I knew then what I know now, I don't know if I would have worn those three-inch heels uh, for every show, every time, because she ended up uh, causing all sorts of problems with her feet. So the uh, 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 situation, whether it's heels or children's shoes, the closer we come to a good sneaker, or sneaker style, the better off we are. That doesn't mean you're going to wear sneakers to go out to dinner, um, but usually knowing what your foot type is can help you choose a proper shoe and podiatry, uh, let alone sports podiatry, if we see that somebody is getting very, very active. One of my specialties, Denise, we see special kids uh, who are very, mm -hmm. very active, whether they're skaters, whether they play soccer, whether they are ballerinas or dancers, and these kids might be doing their activity at 12 years old, 10 years old, five days a week, six days a week. And a lot of times we see uh, that uh, we've got to be able to strengthen that foot and ankle, and we've got to be able to at the very least make sure they're in uh, an optimum shoe. And uh, I've been putting orthotics and figure skates, Denise, for 35 years. Give or take a few weeks. <laughs> Long time. You're dating uh, yourself. <laughs> uh, I, I'm doing it on purpose because we all just watched. We all just watched the Winter Olympics. Very, yes, very, did. very exciting. And the defending gold medal men's figure skating champion who was injured and he wasn't able to defend his title, Evan Lysacek, from my neck of the woods. Is I put orthotics in Evan's skates when he was a ten-year-old. So for oh my God. 18, yeah, so one of my specialties is orthotics and skates, orthotics and skis, or orthotics and grandmas, depending if we're looking to properly position the foot. But uh, so it was a bittersweet thing for me because four years ago I was rocking and rolling when my kid Evan Lysacek won the Olympic gold medal. It was, uh, if you go to my website, I'm still showing the videos. <laughs> oh, that's great. It was <laughs> a great time, yes. Well, getting back to women in high heels, uh -huh. what in the world can be done for women so that they don't end up with bunions? Well, bunions are, you know, we inherit foot type. This is very important for your listeners. 
most foot type is inherited. So you might have flat feet like your mom or grandma. You might have high arches. You might be developing the bunion deformity, which is a dislocation of the big toe joint, uh, which is a gradual deformity. And many, you don't develop, uh, inherit the bunion or the hammer toes. Uh, corns and calluses, you develop the foot type that can be susceptible um, to that. So many times we'll see, we know if a woman has forefoot problems to begin with, then she has to become a padding expert to deal with wearing heels where the toe box uh, and cramping of the toes is a problem. So she has uh-huh. to become an expert. She needs to have some podiatry care. If she's got corns and calluses, she'll never tolerate uh, the heels, and then if she has a clue with what her foot type is, and uh, you know, again, and she's willing to do some strengthening exercises. Women who've worn heels, without exception, for a decade or two, many times will shorten their Achilles tendon and calf muscle, and uh, have problems. So we might see a gal is is 45 years old. She wants to start walking program. She wants to do maybe some jogging. She's having all sorts of uh, back of the heel or Achilles tendon problems, and we see that she's been wearing heels for 25 years. So we tell women, vary the heel height. Try to find a shoe that is not so narrow that you could be spraining ankles. Mm-hmm. Pay, pay attention to the toe box and try to see what you can tolerate and understand, again, that uh, our heels throw the whole posture off so being uh, married to heels uh, is, is a real concern. You want to try to vary it uh, and get the uh, podiatry care for corns or calluses. Um, it's one of the few professions where someone can walk in where their foot is killing them with a painful corn and dance out of there because the corn's been trimmed down painlessly. They might have to repeat that situation, but, uh, uh, you know, again, knowing that foot type is inherited, and knowing that sometimes you might look at your mom and dad or your grandparents and see, wow, I've got an interceding the earlier the better. Sometimes we'll be using orthotics in 10-year-olds because we want to slow down, if we can, the progression mm-hmm. of these kinds of foot imbalances. Hmm. How do you get rid of calluses? Well, if we can redistribute your weight, orthotics have various rule, uh, roles. Uh, mm-hmm. Orthotics are not art supports. Prescription orthotics right. really are uh, made from a mold of the foot or a scan of the foot to put the joints mm-hmm. of the foot in its best position. Imagine, uh, your listeners, that someone has very high arches. They might be pounding the ball of the foot and putting excessive pressure on the ball of the foot and getting calluses because we've got pressure between certain bones and the ground. So sometimes we'll see that calluses under bony prominences hurt. And trimming those down in podiatry can make somebody very, very comfortable. They might trim them. Not a pedicure who might be smoothing Mm -hmm. something down, even though (laughs) generalized calluses, hey, we have great athletes who get pedicures all the time, men and women, Mm -hmm. because they're trying to keep those toenails comfortable or the uh, rough areas of skin. But if you have these calluses that are specific under bony prominences, that should be trimmed by a professional podiatrist with great relief, and then we might be putting an insert in that lady's shoe that will take pressure off the ball of the foot, might not get rid of the callus. Sometimes only surgery uh, can get rid of, quote-unquote, painful calluses and or bunions. Okay. And bunion surgery is, is, is very, very popular, uh, but we try to prevent it if we can. Mm-hmm. Dr. Weil, would it be prudent for a woman to have orthotics for both running shoes and high heels? Great question. Yes. 80% of the ladies I see who might be teachers, they might be attorneys, they might be, they're all women. <laughs> so sometimes mm-hmm. we'll see that I have many women who say, Dr. Weil, you don't, you don't get it. Unless I'm in the gym or running, I'm not wearing sneakers. Now, it doesn't mean they're in two-inch heels, but they're in flats, they're in boots, they're in loafers. So dress orthotics that I've used, again, for as many years as putting them in figure skates um, is a multifaceted device that a woman can Velcro in a pair of flats. 
She could take the same orthotics, Velcro them in a two-inch heel. I have professional dancers who might wear those things. Or they might put them in their boots and some heels. And usually it can be very, very helpful um, because half the orthotics I use in women, Denise, are knee problems. There's a lot of connection between the um, slightly wider hips in women, a little bit more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many mm-hmm. times we see uh, that uh, that doesn't mean a woman needs dress orthotics to go to church or go out to dinner once a week. So if we mm-hmm. have a gal who's uh, uh, um, uh, somebody who's in sneakers 80% of the time, 75% of the time, we might see great. That's plenty. But many times when a woman sees, wow, these orthotics help my back, gee, they... You know, this is why Dr. Scholz advertises foot insoles for your back, because it's all mm-hmm. connected. Um, but over-the-counter is still over-the-counter. You know, we're talking many mm-hmm. times prescription, but that's a great question, Denise, because dress orthotics can be uh, a godsend for many women, again, who just are not in a sneaker anywhere near enough to even benefit from what, what, what orthotic they might have. But am I understanding you correctly that you still have to have a separate one for your sports shoe? Uh, Well, a man might wear the same orthotic in everything he owns. He might have a flexible. I use a lot of flexible plastic uh, materials. So Lysacek is an example at the Olympic and the world level in figure skating. We had the same orthotic in his skates that he would transfer back and forth to his shoes. And he had a second pair for 10 years. So those kinds of plastics can last, they can be very flexible, not rigid, mm-hmm. and they can last many times for years. So a man might put a pair of orthotics in his loafers and go to work, and he might run 10 miles in them. And I can use that in, in, in girls and maybe adolescents, uh, but once we're into a shallow, flat, or lady shoe, then usually the same orthotic is going to be too bulky. Um, so many times we will see that regardless of what's put in a running shoe, many times mm-hmm. your product that's used in a running shoe for you, we might take the insole out of the walking or running shoe and put a full mm-hmm. shoe padded orthotic in your sneaker, but that's all it's going to fit in. That's all it's going to fit exactly. in, which is going to be wonderful. But, uh, again, you can put orthotics in, in – uh, I have women who live in them in two-inch heels. Really? Yes. Fascinating. I had them made many, many years ago for running, for my running shoe. Okay. But I, I've, since that time, I've never, ever thought that. Well, yeah, exactly. Sometimes we see that it's not, yes, it it's not the most understood. Uh, sometimes we'll see that it's considered a um, uh, an addition that's not quite necessary uh, but many times we see if the orthotics are very successful and helpful, mm-hmm. then usually we see. And remember, again, the orthotics have a lot to do with positioning our body optimally. So regardless whether you're talking your hips, your back, your feet, your legs, usually if done properly, and that's a big if, because <laughs> uh, orthotics are, you know, it's uh, everywhere you look, cause someone else has orthotics. Uh, many times we see that, you know, prescription in the hands of podiatry is in my opinion by far what's optimum. Uh, we'll we'll still see that the uh, that's something that's about positioning. So depending on the amount, the type of foot gear the lady might be in. I've had women in their 80s who insisted on dress orthotics because they wore a lot of other shoes. Mhm. Mhm. They didn't want to be living in old lady shoes. <laughs> Doctor Well. Um... Here's a question for you. Obviously, I'm, I'm located in California. There's listeners today that are probably listening from all over the United States. How does one find a good podiatrist? I think like uh, they find any other good physician. I think that they uh, uh, many times will have avenues where there's recommendations. Uh, they might also talk to their own doctor or primary care doctor. They can always, for example, go to the uh, American Podiatric Medical Association, look them up. They could look up the American mm-hmm. Academy of, of they could look up the American Academy of Podiatric Sports Medicine, and they might find somebody who has uh, more relevance. Let's say if they've got a serious kid who's a serious athlete. 
um, mm -hmm. or in general podiatry. We would expect that the um, uh, most people, uh, again, and podiatry is covered by all insurance and Medicare and all of these other things. Personal referrals, of course, very, very important like anything else. And then you can go mm -hmm. to the organization or associations and then find uh, competent people in your area uh, where uh, we'll, we'll many times see, you know, that uh, I might have senior citizens, Denise, who come in every two months to have their toenails clipped. Maybe they're diabetic mm -hmm. and they might be 75 years old. And we might see in the room next to him is the uh, uh, top young 10-year-old uh, soccer player in the state or something like that. So podiatry mm -hmm. is multifaceted um, when it comes to very, very important if someone has diabetes that they're having someone who's paying attention to their feet. Okay. Well, part, part of my question, this is an add-on, is, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that orthotics have to be done properly. How could how would they not be done properly by a podiatrist? Uh, well, I would say if you go into podiatry, you're in good hands. But you see okay. in commercials, you see in commercials where orthotics are advertised. You walk into mm -hmm. a running shoe store. Uh, you could walk and see Dr. Scholl's setups all over the place uh, with these kiosks and other things, hey, come step on here for 40 bucks and you'll get orthotics. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and uh, I use temporaries many times as exactly that, as temporaries, buying something over the counter. But sometimes it's like saying to you, you need glasses, hey, go to Walgreens. I hope they fit you. You know, they might be reading glasses. So we, we would assume that, right, podiatry is the specialty of foot mechanics and of foot mm -hmm. care. And they're not the only profession with orthotics. There are physical therapists that do it. Uh, rarely are there orthopedists that do it. Uh, and uh, uh, so we would expect, and then somebody, um, orthotics are, are not sold to people. I might see somebody for years. I might see him once a year. I had a guy call last week. He's 25 years old. He was a pretty good darn uh, college and semi-pro tennis player. And he's worn orthotics mm -hmm. probably five years, and he called the office because the dog ate one. <laughs> so we were able to call the lab and get it replaced. So yeah, he disappeared, of course. I haven't heard from the guy in five years. So <laughs> if we're giving you orthotics, Denise, if we were putting mm -hmm. orthotics in your shoes, we would want to make sure that, number one, you're comfortable in them, uh, you're mm -hmm. using them, they're, they're uh, uh, wearable, for you, and I, those are the things what I mean by done properly, uh, because we adjust orthotics. Uh, um, every once in a while, we will see that someone's not comfortable. It's like anything else that's prescription, whether it's contact lenses or a crown on your tooth or uh, uh, inserts in your shoes. Uh, Evan wouldn't have done quadruple jumps if the orthotics ain't comfortable in the skates, right? Uh, to say that's the least. True. I'll tell you a crazy statistic, and I only heard it 48 hours ago because it's only oh, recently, recently documented, and we're, we're exposing mm -hmm. it on your show. Uh, the measurements uh, in figure skating of the amount of stress when someone comes down from like a triple jump is eight mm -hmm. times their body weight. Now, wow. every step we take, every step you and I take or our listeners take, we're generating about half our weight up our body. If you start to run or jog, you might double or mm -hmm. triple that. If you're playing a hard game of basketball, you really might even come down with four or five times your weight. Nothing like what we've seen in skating. And it's a big problem because it's become so acrobatic. And yes, at such has. younger and younger ages, and there really is no stopping it. So the mm -hmm. uh, uh, situation is many times something where, uh, again, we've got forces that are extreme, and we want to be able to at least try to have the body in its best alignment um, as, and strengthen it as best we can. I imagine that the technology has come a long way in, the, in let's just say, the past 20 years in fitting people with orthotics. What's the process? Yes. 
yeah, I still take molded, messy casts. I still find them to be the most efficient. There are foot scans and other kinds of scans that are used that usually can be quite helpful. Again, if you go into New Balance, if you go into uh, other kinds of running shoe stores, you might see that you can get uh, a scan, which at the very least is going to be able to make a recommendation for the shoe and or their over-the-counter insert. Um, but what we used decades ago, I still find is the uh, most effective, which is to take a plaster cast, non-weight-bearing of somebody's foot mm-hmm. uh, in order to be able to properly fit them with a, a corrective uh, orthotic. There are lots of materials that are used. Uh, there are fiberglasses, and, and there are soft, soft materials that might be used for senior, senior citizens. And, uh, but by far, the flexible plastics um, can virtually slip into any shoe without taking up extra room. And, you know, if they're not comfortable, they're not going to help anybody. So one of the doctor's big-time responsibilities is to follow you up and make sure that at the very least, uh, hey, Dr. Wild, what's the best shoe to wear with the orthotic? Or what about this? Or what about that? All these things uh, make a lot of sense. Are there specialty labs that actually oh, make yes. the flexible plastics? Oh, yes. They're uh, a Burns Podiatric mm-hmm. Lab in McCook, Nebraska. I've, I've probably used there you know, for, for 30, 40 years. There's uh, a lot of oh. orthotics labs around the country that are mm-hmm. uh, fabricating devices and using more and more sophisticated technology uh, regarding uh, there probably wasn't a skier on the slopes at the Winter Olympics who weren't in a prescription, something in their skis. Uh, in order to talk about the kinds of, uh, you can read a lot more about orthotics again. Than if you go to my website, sportsdoctorradio.com, you can mm-hmm. read an awful lot about orthotics uh, and see some of the different um, uh, important uh, criteria regarding how they're used and why. Okay. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about parenting the child athlete. Great. Topic. I had one. <laughs> and by the time he was in high school, he was having back issues. What sport did he play? He played baseball and then football and also basketball. He was quite an athlete. And never once did I ever think about putting orthotics in his shoes. Well, we might I'm have sad seen about that, that you know, Yeah. Well, you might, yeah, you might have seen, again, the, the, it's still a secret when someone comes in talking about another part of the body hurting that the feet might be related. Uh, but if it's persistent, then the feet are almost always related. So if someone bends over and picks up a big bag of books and says, oh, my back hurts, we're not going to say you need orthotics. But if you call me on the phone and you said, you know, my kid, he's been very, very active, he, he, and he's had, you know, can't get rid of the knee or the back problems, do you think his feet are related, then almost always they are. Almost always they are. So the responsibility of parents, and uh, uh, one of the uh, hosts of um, HealthyLife.net, Sharky Zarkman is her name. She has a show called Pep Talk, and she's writing a book coming out this spring called So You Think mm-hmm. You Can Coach Kids. And it's all mm-hmm. about she was a volleyball coach, a great player, uh, and we're not talking about necessarily superstars here at all, but um, mm-hmm. if a young boy or girl is going to be playing um, consistent uh, athletic activities, then I think there are certain things that we talk about on the sports doctor that are very important. Uh, uh, all you have to do is watch Dance Moms on TV a few times, and you can see the darker <laughs> side of some of these crazy parents. Uh-huh. And I had, a, I had a sports psychologist who shared my sports doctor radio show in the 90s, the late Jim Vickery, who talked an awful lot about parenting the child athlete. And he would have some very important points uh, regarding this. And he'd say, number one, don't be a critic. Mm-hmm. Don't be criticizing your son or daughter's performance. Um, and number two, which was if you don't have anything good to say, don't say it. Uh, of course, he was being a little relative in that regard. And he said, number three, if mm-hmm. your kid is hurting and if your kid is dealing with injuries, back off and find out what the problem is. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of pressure. The, one of the biggest concerns is concussions with the inability of that young football player to want to admit that his head is wrung because he doesn't want to be taken out of the game. 
We see the same mm-hmm. thing with some of these overuse injuries. So we, we recommend that parents communicate with their coaches, uh, that they pay attention if their son or daughter is hurting. Um, if anything, sports are much more intense than they've ever been. One of my most popular articles uh, that's, again, on my website is called One Sport or Many, Good Question, when we're talking about who is specializing um, mm-hmm. in figure skating. It, it's seven, eight, nine years old. That's all they're doing, or in, ba- in ballet, or sometimes in gymnastics. So the multiple sport athlete like your son is, a, is a less and less common when it comes to activities if the kid is serious about a single sport and it's their passion, then um, I recommend, uh, and we talk a lot about uh, letting these kids follow their passion. I'm going to tell you a two-minute story, and it's one, it's, this is what it's about. After the Olympics, I had Tanya Lysacek, Evan's mom, on my radio show, and if you go back on, I have over three years' worth of shows on the website, and you can hear that show. You can go back and find it. In the, right after the Olympics, like March of uh, 2010. And I asked Tanya, and of course I knew her for years. I saw Evan since he was a kid. I said, Tanya, how did you know you weren't pushing Evan too far? How did you know you weren't overdoing it? You weren't over, being overzealous? Mm-hmm. He was very talented. She said, you know, Dr. Mm-hmm. Weil, Evan had to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to get ready to mm. get on the ice, and I never had to wake him up. <laughs> there he was with his gloves on and his hat on, ready to go. It was his dream. Wow. It was his goal. And we could see many, many examples of it being the parent's goal. Someone's pushing these kids, and they, we mm-hmm. see a lot of overuse. Today, the term um, with a lot of these kids, Denise, is overuse injuries. Mm-hmm. It kind mm-hmm. of started with the old Little League, you know, the Little League elbow or the Little League shoulder because the kid was just throwing too many pitches um, and now we might see a kid who's, uh, uh, you know, playing soccer, you know, eight days a week and his ankles are killing him or he's got shin splints or et cetera, et cetera. So um, pay attention. Um, having your son or daughter evaluated by physical therapy or sports podiatry to see, you know, what is the best shoe for this kid? Um, what mm-hmm. kind of strengthening? Um, I recommend foot-ankle strengthening in every child, in every sport, at every age, um, almost without exception, and balance training. So we might have your son balancing on mini trampolines and teeter-totter boards and using rubber bands to straighten his feet and ankles because it's a weak link many times. And uh, we try to get parents of serious kids to understand that um, they have to pay special attention and mm-hmm. the, but the mental side of this stuff is very, very important. You know, HBO just did a special on this called The Name of the Game, and it was about these overzealous um, uh, situations, and it was, um, in some cases, very, very serious problems with these kids who just had had enough of their parents pushing them. You've got to be careful. Mm-hmm. That must have been quite a show. <laughs> yes, and at the uh, uh, there's another one. It's on right now. It's called Friday Night Tykes, and it's about these uh, crazy football coaches uh, with young kids. Um, oh yes, I think I saw. You know, I'll tell you, for your listeners, you know, the we we've talked a lot about it, but oh. in my opinion, there is no safe American football at any age. The football's unsafe at any age. We're very, very, very concerned about mm-hmm. the uh, potential for head trouble uh, and the I don't know where football is going to and it's our biggest most popular sport we all understand it I know. and it's a it's a uh, uh, a real hype game going on 24-7 uh, with football uh, but the um, uh, the concerns with the long-term uh, consequences is it's a real crapshoot mm-hmm. I, I don't know. know what we're going to do our about it had, our son had one concussion and then he quit. That was a good yes. thing. Uh, yes, and now the more talented they are, of course, you know, what's more popular than the football? It's gigantic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the concern has been that the helmet, which was developed over all of these years to quote-unquote protect you from the blow, mm-hmm. ended up being like a weapon, like a missile, and it's mm-hmm. the blasting around of the head 
inside the mm-hmm. skull, the brain, that's really, really mm-hmm. the concern. So the, the question, no one has the answer. And my guest on the 12th of February, a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Don Brady is a psychologist from um, Connecticut. And if you go to healthylife.net, uh, you can listen to that show because he specializes in high school kids and he's been writing about concussions and these concerns and talking about it for about 20-something years. And uh, mm-hmm. he just believes that the hype machine is so powerful and it is so extraordinary with the millions and billions of dollars uh, that uh, uh, it, it's very difficult to understand just how dangerous uh, brain-wise. Um, mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you it doesn't mean you can't get a concussion by falling off your bike, and it doesn't mean you can't you know, slide into second base or come down for a rebound and get a concussion. But football is every play they're banging heads. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, this is what it is, and it's a, um, um, uh, a real uh, dilemma as we've seen. Uh, some of these uh, football players, uh, to, you know, the Brett Favre's and the Jim McMahon's and the tragedies that we've seen. I, I, I treated and was a friend of Dave Dewerson's, the Super Bowl Chicago Bear who committed suicide um, uh, mm. three, four years ago and uh, actually shot himself in the chest so that his brain could be donated to that uh, test center. Horrible, horrible stuff. And we just have to face it. Mhm. If you're a parent. Well, exactly. No, we we were glad that he he quit. Concentrated he, he on understood. some other. How old is he, he today? Is, oh, he's in his twenties now, and he's just fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's just fine. See, because that's what Dr. Brady talked about. He talked about these adolescents and the signs mm-hmm. that they were concerned about. Uh, were, gee, you know, the kid isn't sleeping. Gee, you know, the young man is, uh, uh, he's having uh, attitude problems. Gee, you know, he can't focus in school. Gee, you know this, Mm -hmm. gee, you know that. And the point was it was so much more prevalent than anybody realizes Mm -hmm. that it's very, very concerning. Um, But for the most part is, shh, football's too popular. Friday Night Lights. Mm. (laughs) What's the difference Dr. Walt, what's the difference between acute and chronic injuries? Uh, the differences are acute injuries, Denise, just happened. You stepped in a hole, you sprained your ankle, okay. you got hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. A chronic injury is ongoing. You know, Dr. Wilde, I don't remember when this ankle started bothering me, but, you know, it's still bothering me. It hurts. So acute just happened, and chronic is something that's persistent in general. Okay. And they're usually treated differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Acute injuries, we pay attention to. Let's get some ice on it. The so-called RICE principles, um, R-I-C-E, rest, ice, compression, elevation. So if you're a coach or a parent, kid slides in, he gets hurt, he steps in a hole, he's got, uh, 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 oh, my shoulder, I don't know what happened. Uh, then if you can uh, get some ice on that area, never heat immediately. Because heat mm-hmm. causes swelling and might um, blow something out of proportion, make it a lot worse. So we want to get on, um, uh, get some ice on that area, elevate it above the heart, and you're safe. If someone's in a lot of pain, of course, then you want to pay attention. If it's a head or neck thing, then you don't want to move anybody and you want to get you know, professional help. But in general, with the lower extremity, we would go the first three to five days, ice. After that, we can start incorporating heat, and then we want to get evaluated. We tell mom and dad, hey, listen, you know, get this thing identified. Is it a sprain? Uh, is it a fracture? Do you need an x-ray? Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, without panicking, if you get ice on it, you elevate it, you immobilize them, uh, you are in good shape uh, regarding um, uh, acting on that, and that would be for an acute problem that uh, just happened. So, so rice is rest, ice, compression, and what? Elevation. Elevation. Elevate the part above the heart. Right. Try to reduce the swelling uh, because swelling is usually the culprit, 
right after an acute injury. You know, we all remember, you know, spraining an ankle, and boy, this thing got swollen, it started hurting. And the worst thing you want to do is to put some uh, heat on that thing. You'll blow it up to twice the size. You want to get some ice on there with some mild compression. We would tell coaches to keep like a um, uh, an ace bandage that might have been soaked in water in the freezer uh, in their toolkit if they're coaching kids or if they have something, if they have kids who are active. So someone comes in with an injury, you can wrap this thing right up in an iced-up ace bandage, elevate it up, and then see how it goes. Hmm. That's great. It's, um, Everybody run right out and get yourself an ace bandage and uh, uh, soak in some water, put it in a plastic <laughs> bag, and throw it in the freezer. You uh, never know when it might come in handy. How did you get started into um, your profession? What motivated you? Uh, I was interested in, um, in, in being helpful in, in the, uh, some sort of medical field. I wasn't interested necessarily in having life and death situations, podiatry. Uh, was a uh, uh, an exciting area in the late 70s I met Bob Gaida G-A-J-D-A Bob was a Mr. America Mr. Universe uh, and he he became one of the world's leading kinesiotherapists physical therapists and uh, we got together in the late 70s in Glen Ellen Illinois and Bob Gaida attracted the best athletes in the world uh, in many instances, so whether it was the Super Bowl, Bears would come to see him, whether it was John McEnroe who came to see him, whether it was Jim McMahon, Tracy Austin, great players in uh, Yannick Noah, and I was his podiatry consultant, and uh, Bob dealt with the Olympic volleyball teams, so I had an opportunity to, Bob had a tremendous um, appreciation for the role of the foot in sports and he was the guy that I give all the credit or a lot of credit to in being a real mentor when it came to the um, uh, the whole function of the uh, body whether it was rehabilitating an injury or it was very new back then um, Denise which was hey we want to mm-hmm. be we want to be quicker faster stronger you know 25 30 years ago athletes played their sports and then they had an off-season. Today, people are training you know, 24-7, like the combine now. And Bob was mm. uh, very, very instrumental. Uh, I don't want to say he invented rubber bands, but he probably invented rubber band resistance in exercise uh, in, in a lot of ways. And it was that type of um, interest that got me going in the, uh, the, the sports medicine. And then I fell into radio work. Gosh, uh, you know, 25 years ago, and I've been uh, I've been doing the sports doctor uh, in some way, shape, or form ever ever since. Uh, and again, people can listen in. They can go to my website, sportsdoctorradio.com, listen to a lot of past shows, or they could also hear the first dozen or so that I've done with uh, uh, HealthyLife.net. Maybe you'll join me sometime in the future, Denise, uh, with all your attention to health and wellness, whatever. It would be fun to have you on. Yeah, that would be that would be great. Love to be a guest. Yeah, you know that. Uh, hey, I'll come on your show if you come on mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was just sitting here listening to you and thinking about how great it would be if they could get a program together into the elementary schools. There is, you know. Again, yeah. I don't want to leave the show without talking big time about childhood obesity. I've spent the past probably five years, mm-hmm. and I, I, I met an individual. He's been a numerous guest of mine. He's written a few books. Rick Osborne uh, has created what's called Pull Your Own Weight. And Pull Your Own Weight basically says that a child who develops the ability to do an unassisted pull-up can't mm-hmm. be obese. So that if it takes a young first grader six months to develop the ability to gradually, most children cannot do a, a pull-up maybe one out of ten in first or second grade, but they can jump and pull. Imagine a couple of straps thrown over a swing set, and children would be jumping and pulling eight repetitions twice a week. They'd go to nine, they'd go to ten, and when they would get to 12 repetitions, they would move the straps up an inch so a child could gradually develop the ability, uh, because physiologically, by the time they can do that pull-up, 
Any way mm-hmm. you measure them, they can't be obese. So, uh, and, and childhood obesity is a gigantic problem. And as you know, one of our main challenges is gym class has been cut back so dramatically. And we have mm-hmm. to really, you know, kudos to our first lady, Michelle Obama. As a matter of fact, um, it was either yesterday or today is the fourth anniversary of Let's Move, which has been mm-hmm. her passion you know, to get these things back into school uh, and, uh, you know, to try to do something about, because financially it will break us. The health uh, detriments of obesity, whether it is joint pain, whether it's high blood pressure, whether it's diabetes, is, is catastrophic with what it would cost us. Uh, so I think we're paying much, much, much more attention and physical activity Let's get them walking, getting these kids active very early. We're not talking competitive sports now. You know, mm-hmm. uh, by the time you get into high school, Denise, it's one kid out of 20 who's on a team. The rest of them could be doing nothing. So uh, I wrote an article why called did, Let's – go ahead. Did you, um, do you happen to know why they took PE out of the curriculum in schools? I because think it, they it meant well. Be, it couldn't be that expensive, that's for sure. Well, you'd be surprised. Uh, you remember the arts were, were, were slimmed down. Hey, look, music. Hey, look, the arts. Everybody mm-hmm. was worried that reading, writing, arithmetic. I had a guest on my show over 15 years ago from Illinois. He was an um, athletic director, and he was screaming because Illinois became the last state that had some kind of requirement for gym class. And I think, um, again, money being so tight, the importance of education, and I think that there was this assumption that if we um, uh, let it go, it wouldn't be that big a deal. And we woke up 25 years later and we said, holy cow, the whole country's heavy. That and the diet industries, um, food industries, insanity, Uh and fast food, and uh, we all know this as parents. Yeah, but then, you know, computers came, came in. You're and exactly right. And people sit all the Huge. time. Yes, and, and there's, uh, there's latchkey the families. P-E away. Yeah, they take the PE away, and then you're sitting in front of computers. Yes, <laughs> now people who want to find out more no about Pull Your Own Weight, they can go to pullyourownweight.net, and you can see a small, short 90-second video. It shows mm-hmm. uh, these, these pull-ups being done, uh, but there's mm-hmm. no doubt about it that the uh, the fact that the food in the, we all knew fast food was 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 poison, give or take a little. Yet the best advertising in the world, you know, the sodas and these drinks, and you find mm-hmm. out they're all sugar. And then you, uh, what we didn't realize was the processed food stuff that's our normal diet was hanging us. You know, we we got mm-hmm. we got hung up on this hype over low fat, and we saw that low fat. How long have we been paying attention to low fat, no fat? Twenty years. Uh, all mm-hmm. it did was make us all heavy. So this was this um, unfortunate uh, misinformation that's been disseminated mm-hmm. forever uh, regarding, uh, uh, but it's a real challenge, you know, trying to get junk food out of vending machines in schools who depend on that income. And uh, you have people screaming, hey, don't let the government tell me what to eat um, unless we're all paying for it because half the country's diabetic. In another 25 mm-hmm. years, you have no idea the kind of health costs that this could cause. So something like what I wrote about, again, you can go to the website, it's called Let's Get Them Walking. It was about trying to get every child from elementary school, from kindergarten through 12th grade, walking a half hour a day, including it in the curriculum, that in a generation we would make a, a, a huge difference. And it was that writing that, that got me involved uh, with the whole pull your own weight concept, pull your own weight is about preventing childhood obesity. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know that over fifty percent of bullying is um, weight related? And we all know what a challenge. Yes, we had a guest. We did a series called Kids Beating Obesity. I did it with Rick Osborne. Uh, we did about forty-five podcasts, and Mike Buchanan, who was the um, screenwriter and the author mm-hmm. of the book and movie called Fat Boy Chronicles. And he was on our show, and he said it's 60% or more when you're looking at bullying is weight-related. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a multifaceted factor. And if, the earlier you deal with this, 
the earlier, before children already are indoctrinated, but inactivity is a gigantic um, uh, area. And children who are active perform better. They do better in school. They're more mm-hmm. focused um, after some activity. And uh, I think that uh, First Lady Michelle Obama has really made uh, awareness uh, up front and, and personal to where only recently now in young, young children does it seem that the trend might be um, reversing. So that, that's great news. Let's hope so. Well, Dr. Robert Weil, we have run out of time. You have well, it was a, a pleasure being guest. with you. Thank you it very really much. Great. We have learned so much today. So, listeners, please tune in again next Wednesday for our show at 4 p.m., and that is Pacific Standard Time. And I just want to wish everybody a wonderful evening. And again, thank you, Dr. Weil. Thank you, Denise. It was a pleasure, and and, uh, I wish all your, uh, your listeners well. Wonderful. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Thank you again, listeners. I just wanted to remind you that the entire contents of this radio show is based upon the opinions of Denise and her guests. It's not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice, and it's not intended as medical advice. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from our guests and the experience of Denise and her community. We encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Thanks again. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.